Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ, PPJ Gazette Online and TS Radio Network. Yes, let's start out with a big flub. Uh, <laughs> these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C., where we have a standing panel, I'm glad to say. Anyway, boy, we've got a lot going on, a lot of things happening, and of course, we'll be having the hog report here shortly. Um, this has turned out <laughs> to be an extremely popular segment of the show, and um, the few weeks that Cuz had to miss it, people just had a fit. They were waiting for the hog report, and um, <laughs> it just it hits home. So many people can identify with it, and they know they know who who is actually the subject of this and um but we don't have to say any names but anyway oh we we got a lot on our plate tonight uh, Elaine Mickman is joining us and she's going to be talking about title 18 of the US code and what she found on that and I did some research too Elaine uh mm-hmm. on this before we aired tonight and found a little bit more on it and um but it, I think the biggest question looming here is they're going to have to make a decision. Either they are not a court of law, which they aren't, in probate. They're a tribunal. They're going to have to admit that and take their lumps. Or or they're going to have to move these cases back into state civil court and where they can get this immunity protection. And I want you to think about that. Where does any agency or big union, which is basically what the bar mafia is, the judiciary, where do they get the right or the idea that it's okay or lawful for them to declare themselves immune from breaking the law, from handing down what they know are incorrect decisions, for violating people's rights? They don't follow the codes of civil procedure and the rules of evidence and supposedly you can't do a freaking thing about it and they have declared themselves immune well i got news for you me and a whole bunch of my friends about a hundred of us have decided and we voted on this that we are being we are immune immune i tell you from any traffic tickets um <laughs> Any fines or penalties for anything, we are immune. We don't know why we're immune from it. We just are. We voted. And um, so there you go. 
and but uh, the and the, the part that bothers me, girls, is nobody in government said a freaking damn word. Nobody stood up and said, "Wait a minute, you can't do that." They wrote their own law. Lawmaking is the job of the House of Representatives. All laws yeah. must originate there. They, in essence, have created a new law saying they are immune. No, you're not. And furthermore, you may not sue the judgeship itself or the county or the state, but you can sue the individual for malfeasance. But they don't want you to know that. But just because you have a black robe on, in fact, if if you got one on, I'm I'm scared of you. I don't think you're fit for society. Um, does not give you immunity from anything. The Constitution says the laws will be applied equally to all men. It doesn't say unless you're wearing a black robe, and then you can get away with doing whatever you want. Do you remember here, what was it, last year, that judge got nailed for having sex in his chambers? And he said they didn't think they could do anything because he had his black robe on. Hmm. See? It's just like wearing Superman's cape. <laughs> just well, Halloween, you all know. wear some black robes and be immune. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> you had on the dress of the court. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I don't know. My new outfit. Yeah, just, yeah there you go. And But the things that are done in our courtrooms at the hands of these so-called judges, recently the Supreme Court ruled for the thir- third time that religious and philosophical objections to these mandatory vaccines by employers, you, know, you, you can't do that. You can't object to that. No, they don't have any merit. My personal opinion, I'm speaking for me here. We need to cease and desist with what is laughingly called the Supreme Court in this country. It needs to go into receivership and be reorganized for what it was supposed to be, depoliticized. It needs to a complete overhaul. Everybody that's in there needs to get on, and we need to get people in there that understand law and the Constitution and are beholden to some big money pharmaceutical company or some other agricultural corporation or somebody that's just got more money than they know what to do with. Um, this whole thing, and by the way, you can look this up. I'm not going to do your work for you. Oh, you just picked that. Anybody. Look it up yourself. The Supreme Court of the United States is its own bar association. Oh. Thank you. Yes, they are not independent. They are not separated from the states. All of this stuff about just like with probate, they can't get into probate because anything that's in motion in the state, in REM, in motion in the state, is the property and control of states. So they go cases. It's a nice way to that one, but unfortunately it doesn't work because you your nose and everything else. So anyway, that's my thought. We need to disband the Supreme Court as it stands and get people in there who are for the people of the United States. I don't know if we can find any, quite honestly, but it's worth a try. Anyway, with all that, um, <laughs> Kyle, did you want to break into the... Yeah, I would love to. And Marty, I'm... <laughs> yeah. So I'm so excited that we finally have a sponsor for the Hog Report. 
And the check Yay. is in the mail. I'm I'm the advertising accountant, or what is wait what is my title? Advertising like administrator. Person? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I go Accounts out and manager. I find people. Yes, I go out and I find people who would like to advertise on our show, and we're very picky who we allow. We aren't just about making money or selling, you know, the ads. We only have to we will only allow people to advertise that we believe in their product and so there you go i feel like we need a few oinks so that i can announce the advertiser of the <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all on the edge of our seat and i'll give a hint we have as our guest today elaine mickman who wrote a book divorce from law without liberty or justice at all and that story comes out of Montgomery County Courthouse in Pennsylvania. So this is a Montgomery County Courthouse. is very corrupt. So who better to be the sponsor of the Hog Report is the Facebook page Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Courthouse. So Mr. Shenanigans Yay. has stepped forward, and he has agreed to be our sponsor. And he said he likes it. So he's he's such a, he's such a nice guy. He is. He is he's such a nice guy. Yeah. And how perfect that Elaine that you're on the show tonight because you live there in Montgomery County, and we're <laughs> debuting. You know, our first sponsor who is just super disgusted with everything that's going on in Montgomery County. And so today's hog report. I was doing some research, and uh, you know these narcissistic people. They tend to have relationships, you know, with all kinds of people, but there's a certain type of person that they are drawn to, and that's a person who would be called an empath. And I kind of thought about that. Oh, my gosh, am I kind of, am I leaning more towards that empath? And there's like a questionnaire to see if that is you, because if that is you, you're going to be more easily betrayed by the narcissist you're going to fall for them more because you're kind of too nice and so we need to recognize that in ourselves and realize that people are not as well-meaning as you may think and you're going to be more easily deceived by these people i always say marty if it wasn't for the ot holes i'd be a sheeple i'd just be walking around thinking you know everyone's so wonderful the ot holes yep. that free from that so i'm not a sheeple yeah. so sometimes in epath you could be more on the sheeple on the sheeple realm and you need to recognize if this is you so one so there's 11 questions and i found the article and if anyone would like a copy of the article we could definitely post it up i sent the link to you there marty and okay. um, I'm going to read the 11 questions, and people are going to evaluate themselves and see if they see themselves in as an empath. So one is, do you feel drained after hanging out with others? Is it just kind of draining? You're just, oh, my gosh, hanging out with all these people. Do you, are you able to correctly guess what other people are thinking? Do you find that public places are a little bit overwhelming? I know I personally, I don't like being in crowds. Are you highly emotional? Like if something really bad happens, can it, I mean, do you really, like you feel bad and it's hard to get over it. 
are do you always want to help others? And there, I mean, that's the big one. Do you want to help others because that that glory hog is ready to have you help them? <laughs> do you? This was also another one. Empaths do not like to work corporate jobs, and I don't quite understand why that one would be. But they just—they don't like the corporate jobs. They are highly creative. So if you're an empath, you're highly creative. You can't handle toxic people. It's very hard. You avoid them like the plague. Now let's well, let's make sure that we all understand. A glory hog, unbeknownst to you, is not going to come across as a toxic person until you figure out who they are. So on surface, that glory hog does not seem toxic to you. And so there's a difference between a toxic person that's just creating all this drama and nasty and vile versus a glory hog who is an actor for you. They are going to constantly be selling what their brand is to you and they, you know, that they're always lying, they're always embellishing everything that they do. So there's a difference between a glory hog and a toxic person. And people need to recognize that. So uh, an empath person does not like to be around a toxic person, which is very different than glory hogs. Can feel the emotions on others. If they see that someone, if someone's really sad, you usually can pick up on that. Uh, do you sometimes feel scattered? This article claims that sometimes, like when you're in like a small crowd or small group of people, you can start to feel a little unfocused, and it's because somehow you're kind of sucking in the energy of other of other people, and it's just kind of leaving you in confused. And can you read the mood of a room? Can you walk in the room and go, oh, something's wrong here? If if you answer these questions and you feel like you've answered a lot, yes, that means that you would be more of an empath. And the warning is, if you are more of an empath, you need to not think so much with your emotions and you need to start thinking more with your head so that when you are dealing with a glory hog, you aren't sucked into them as much as you as they want you to be so you have to really start not only just using your emotions to judge things and to judge people and situations but you actually have to use more of your head knowledge because these people are deceptive and they are drawn to you if you are more of this empath kind of person they are drawn to you and i thought that would be the glory hog report is to read and learn what kind of person does the glory hog want to be drawn to and it's not because they like you it's because they want to yeah. use you and you're too nice uh-huh. and they're going to walk all over there and they're going to cause massive destruction and so i think it's just important when you say marty to just understand the difference between this glory hog narcissistic personality versus just a plain toxic person these are two different See, that's kinds my problem of because that's dude, my problem. I'm just too nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I have anyway. to do these. That's why, Marty, I have to, I had to do this very, this very episode because you are so sweet and nice. And I worry oh. that glory hogs will walk all over you. And I'm just trying to show you the way so that your sweetness well, thank you. is you are the sweetest. Yeah. I mean, if anyone oh. says any different, you might. I mean, let me have at them. Because you're just like oh. the sweetest, most wonderful person and Glory Hog is going to try and take advantage of you, Marty. And that is why this is today's Hog Report. 
How many oinks do I get? <laughs> Nine is the max. <laughs> nice. And thank you, shenanigans, in the Montgomery County Facebook. Yes. Uh, um, Montgomery County Courthouse Facebook page. So everyone go to the shenanigans Facebook page and like it. And watch some of those videos that are on there. They're they're pretty informative. They are actually with actual court documents of all the corruption that does happen to go on there. At um, in the Montgomery County Courthouse, there's right there with their actual documents. And Elaine, you should email Mr. Yeah. Shenanigans with a copy of your book and have okay. them have him um, post the link so that people can sure. purchase that there. No yeah. Well. Oh, and I just wanted to point. Can I add in, you know, this is Montgomery County in Pennsylvania because there's a Montgomery County. Like if you just Google, it'll come up a lot of times in Maryland. They have one, uh, a Montgomery County in Maryland. So this is the Pennsylvania Montgomery County Court that people are screaming all over the place, you know, carrying on about. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just horrible. Home of the Atholes. Home wow. of the yeah. And by the way, I yep. don't know if, if we – I, I don't remember if I ever brought it up to you or not, but, you know, they're uh, redoing the courthouse, like some addition, and originally uh, it was supposed to be about 200, uh, what, $200 million, and a lot of people were complaining about it, and then before you know it, a year later it was $270 million. now it's a half a billion, a half a billion dollars. Holy crap. And, yeah, and you know what's going to happen. They want to when you're you don't build a bigger and remodel unless you're pumping up and gearing up to do more business. You know, yeah. Of anything you downsize, so and half the time you walk through that courthouse, I'm telling you, a lot of those courtrooms they're empty. They're empty. Nothing's yeah. even going on because all the dirty deals are just done behind some on a telephone or behind closed doors, and yet they're they're going to soak us taxpayers. They are taxing people, especially the seniors, the people on fixed incomes, people who've lived. There is this woman that I uh, know of. She worked in the library. This woman at the time, and this is before the, right before the COVID started, this woman was 78 years old. She had to go back to work part-time just so she didn't lose her house because they raised the taxes so high uh, on everyone in the county. Uh, this woman, I guess she's about 80 now. She had to go back. She was a retired woman, but she owned her house. Where was she going to go? Into an extraordinarily expensive apartment or senior place? She already yeah. lived in her home. For, she lived in her home for, I don't know, 35, 30, 35, 40 years. You know, where was she going? You know, that was her home. So, yep, they're taxing us out of our homes here, yeah. uh, building that stuff. And I'll tell you, a lot of people don't know this. I don't know how many suites they have, but I know that they have, like, a suite at the courthouse for these judges. I remember seeing it many years ago on the computer. Uh, you know, they, you know, just like uh, firemen have to stay overnight for emergencies, they're, they're on call, just like a doctor nurses they work for them. they have these suites i can all i i'm just i have visions in my head that those suites will have jacuzzi whirlpools a gym 
TVs. Well, you're, when you laugh, hey, I got news for you. The public school where my kids went to, the high school, they had all sorts of stuff for the teachers, gym, they, and the kids weren't let the students. It wasn't for the students. They had a big gym in there. They had TVs all over the place, televisions, you know, to watch TV, all kinds of, like, amenities. So I can only imagine what they're going to be, you know, what they're planning for that courthouse. They just finished, I think, recently some renovations on the outside of a uh, office building right across the street where they have different, uh, like the domestic relations offices over there and things. I think they spent $23 million and all they did was a facelift uh, from what I was told. There's not, like, you wow. can go into a bathroom and the door may not even open and close right, but they but they did a facelift, you know, pretty new windows and whatever else they did. So they are, that's what's going on and it's Oh yes, it's it's pretty bad here. Um, but I did want to, hey Marty and uh, Kass, I just wanted yeah. to jump in also and say, you know, um, you can sue a judge, but not for money. You can sue them, declaratory and injunctive relief. But here's what I'm read. I'm going to read it to you. It says, um, this means you have a hold on a higher court declare that what a judge is doing violates a statute or constitutional provision. And, you're, you know, you're asking that the higher court tell the judge not to do it again. And it says, what I'm reading here, it says, uh, you can't punish a judge for violating your rights, but other judges can punish the judge for violating their orders. So if you go to a higher court, they write an order to the judge at the lower court not to do something, the higher court can, uh, like, impose some sort of punishment to the judge um, and, you know, sanction them or something. Oh, but, wow. You know, like that means anything. Yeah. 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 I don't know that that means, I mean, it's, it's almost like it's a theory because I don't know of anybody who's been successful with anything like that, but I'm just well, saying the thing they that put happens it in. Is you, you just highlighted <laughs> it. You have to go through the judiciary to other judges That's to right. determine that a judge did these wrongs and you know what is it they it's said 99 percent of all complaints brought against right. judges are dismissed right by other this judges yeah yeah they look after each other the, there is another yeah. thing that i had another little tidbit here uh when they when uh 42 u.s 1983 which is the civil it's like a civil action for civil rights <laughs> When that was being amended, uh, I believe this is in this is from September 1996, and this was before Congress. And they have these different things that go on in you know in Washington D.C. with Congress and so forth in the middle of the night, like when nobody even knows what's going on. Like who knew these people were working? Well, there's a transcript. It's Congress transcript 104, and there's a report in there. It's from let's see. Second session, Senate 104-366. This is federal court. It's uh, Improvement Act of 1996, all these numbers and so forth. So it's also known as the Public Law 104-317. It says, this section does not provide absolute immunity for judicial officers. Immunity is not granted for any conduct clearly in excess 
of a judge's jurisdiction, even if the act is taken in a judicial capacity. So it says litigants may still seek declaratory relief and they may obtain injunctive relief if a declaratory degree, you know, is ordered. So there are some little teeny, like, loopholes, but, you know, you really need to be able to find somebody who will represent you, and then you're at the mercy of the other higher courts who are willing to uh, do something about it. So it seems like the hard thing is to find someone to represent you. Yeah. I just got a message here. Uh, from someone that says, girls, you are dangerously close to practicing law without a license. <laughs> you don't have a license either. Uh, all you got is a bar union dues card. So um, pay your dues and go away. Um, well, we're allowed to law. read, we are... but we, don't, we yeah. don't need a license to read. We don't need to, uh, so I'm no. reading from stuff that's uh, from books and so forth. We don't need to, yeah. no, practicing is actually advising, okay, or actually yeah. doing a job. I'm not advising. I am not doing anybody's writing papers. I am simply reading from uh, research, from stuff that's posted. So this is not practicing. But you know what? Uh, You know, this is a duty. Part of the radio is to inform people, you Mm -hmm. know, things that they don't know. Some sort of education and uh, put things out there because a lot of people, are, you know, they don't know at all. It's almost as if someone is feeling threatened by what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the hey, things guess I think what? we need I know to focus- Hey, you know what? I know how to read, Marty. Hey, remember I told you my, ex-hus- my ex-husband's attorney um, tried to get a guardianship on me saying she can't read English. <laughs> uh, I guess I can read English. Um, <laughs> you didn't get then the guardianship. Yeah, yeah, he tried to get a guardianship on me. It's, I have it in a court transcript. She can't read English, he says. Yeah, Can you imagine if he said that? Tonight. Yeah. How's it like for him to say that in today's political climate, you know, where all these people are coming into our country who don't speak English? Or how about the people who are, like, like dyslexic, people who can't read? Do they need to have a guardian right. on them, you know? So yeah. just thought I'd throw that in well, there. Well, one of the things <laughs> I want to start off with on all of this is the definition of a judge. The word judge, like when you use it in probate, these are not judges. A judge implies you are dealing with law. They do not deal with law. They deal with statute, code, and other fictional constructs that avoid the law and the Constitution and your rights. That's how they get away with failing to provide due process and the upset of the rest of your protections. And... It says here that judges are distinct from magistrates. Magistrates are court officers who are empowered by statute to decide pre-trial issues and preside over minor cases. Their judicial powers are limited. In the federal court system, for example, magistrates may not preside over felony criminal trials. They may preside over civil trials and misdemeanor criminal trials, but only with the consent of all the parties. That's key, only with the consent of all the parties. Okay, and it says about the judges, um, I mean, I wanted to read this one for you. Uh, Judges are either appointed or elected. They must have a background in law because that's what they deal with is law. (laughs) And, um, okay, there was a part here I just really, 
Okay. Judges must decide cases based on applicable law. In some cases, a judge may be asked to declare that a certain law is unconstitutional. Judges have the rule that a law is unconstitutional and therefore void, but they must give proper deference to the legislative body that enacted the law. Um, it says a noun, as a noun, judge refers to a person to make decisions of a judge court officer office a judge presiding over a case may initiate investigations on related matters, but generally judges do not have the power to conduct investigations for other branches or agency of government. Um, it just it, my point here in reading this to you is that that there is a legal definition, a lawful definition of who is a judge, and the first prerequisite being they must have a background in law. They must have a law degree. So you go into probate court. What do you got? You've got all these uh, – they're ministerial clerks, administrative ex- clerks, ministerial examiners. Um, you've got all these people. Rarely is anybody sitting in probate that has any background in law. They are not required to because they do not deal with law. They don't care. You have no rights. We've had these people tell their victims in their that room that they don't want to hear about the Constitution again. If they do, they'll put jail. That it has no bearing. They don't have any rights in that courtroom. Uh, they have only what the judge says they have. And so this in itself is a giveaway that you are not dealing with a court of law. And you have no protection. These were intentionally constructed. Now, the idea that they don't audit because they don't have the funding to do it. Who creates a tertiary court system and doesn't fund it to the extent you can keep track of what they're doing? But this this is a fallacy, and it was intentional. There is not, with everything computerized, it would take a couple of keystrokes on the computer to transfer your files and keep a record of who all, when all, and what all. It's a simple thing. This could be done in less than a day for every state, and yet they don't do it specifically so they can say, we don't have the data. Yeah, you do, you jackass. Yes, you do. And <laughs> But they come up with all this stuff, these reasons why they can't, they won't. Um, it just, But it goes on and it says, whoever having the custody where it talks about concealing or destroying or r- removing documents, books, proceedings, uh, paper or other thing willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. I think it should be three times that much. And shall forfeit <laughs> his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. As used in this subsection, subsection, the term office does not include the office held by any person as retired officer of the armed forces of the United States. Now watch, I'll start putting veterans on the bench. Anyway, but now how many times have we seen in probate, I mean, on a daily basis, where they destroy pre-standing legal documents? They destroy wills oh, yeah. of attorney. All of these things, they discard them, they obliterate them. And aren't they held accountable because these are not courts of laws? 
These are not under the federal laws. This is not part of the judiciary. Now, here in Georgia, they have the probate division listed under the Supreme Court of Georgia as a uh, appendage to it. I and supposedly under the control of the Supreme Court. So I wrote to them here some time back, and I said, you know, this is what's going on, and why have you sat still and watched this? You obviously have power over this tribunal system, and these changes need to be met. I got one email back that said, I think you misunderstand everything. And I wrote back <laughs> and said, please explain. And I didn't get any response. Um but you see, and to try and make these probate tribunals legitimate, this is what they do. They put them under the Supreme Court as a division of the Supreme Court of the state. They don't, they're not standalone tribunals. And so this this, I see this person sitting up there, one of them to ask when you are forced into probate is to ask that person sitting up there who claims they are a judge for the oath of office. Every sitting judge is required to have an oath of office on file. And that's where it gets back to um, this uh, Title 18. You're an officer of the court, and you swear allegiance to the United States and the federal law and the Constitution and all of that. Now, I have done this personally, said, do you have an oath of office? I want to see it. You're supposed to produce it on demand. May I see your oath of office? produce one got up and ran out of the room um, these people don't have an oath of office because this is not a court of law okay i can't stress that enough you can't keep treating it like a court of law because it is not it is not it is not it was set up to do a job on you and every politician out there has set on their big fluffy butts and watch this human trafficking and estate theft and the neglect and abuse of the elderly and ultimately many times premeditated murder in hospice and they oh, watch yeah. this roll on, roll on, roll on. So I don't know what – before I let go here and give this over to you, Elaine, recently we've had these bills come out. There was the Christ bill, which was absolutely – this thing was such an insult that I could not believe that man actually had the cojones to put that thing out there as if it was something legitimate. This was an insult to every family, elderly person who has been trapped in this bogus guardianship system. It, it was just – I didn't know, and, and Mr. Chris – Feel free to call me, sweetie. Feel free. Or email me. I don't care. Uh, please get in touch. I'd love to talk to you. The second one came out from, uh, what's her name? Susan Collins. And what's the guy? Casey? Bob Casey. Huh? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, here is just a schmooze job. There is no crime cited. There is no penalty listed. No uh material for enforcement who would provide that enforcement nothing there is nothing and if a bill please understand if a bill does not put these things in there specifically you can't create them after the fact well they broke the law they isolated and that bill says that they can't where's the the crime and where's the penalty and who's supposed to enforce it well i don't know they didn't say well the reason they didn't say is because there is none and you can't do anything and um, 
so we have to we have to learn that this and guardianship um was never a noble purpose never 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 has it been the the guardianship has been around for a good 2000 years in one form or another it has always been a system of targeting people who had property or things usually back eons ago it was when the king or emperor or whoever wanted what you had and they guardianized you and took it well it's simply changed now it isn't the king anymore although you'd think some of these people were royalty the way they act and but you've got something they want your property your assets and they do the same thing but it has never been a noble purpose never has it been a noble purpose it is a system of human trafficking estate theft it is always been this they just tried to fluff it up and make it look nice but anyway elaine i'm going to turn this over to you yeah. and let you take over oh. and talk go ahead well you 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 I'm kind of shut summed up, up a- you some that's okay. That's okay. You summed it up pretty good and, and you know, I'm working on that oracle for your um paper and what I was trying to actually do is put together um different scenarios and examples of people that I know where that law would would or could or may apply, that eighteen US twenty seventy one, concealment removal right. removal mutilation. Because I was just trying to think off off the top of my head, different ways that it applies, uh, and I don't know if everything applies, but I could tell you examples that I'm thinking of besides, in addition to all the stuff that goes on with the guardianship, I'm thinking even in, in people's lives, I know people who they've had their retirement funds from like an insurance company, and it's across state borders being signed away and taken away from them. Uh, I'm thinking about some of the people who are wards of the state, maybe through the guardianship, their social security being siphoned away from them. Uh, you know, they, they mess with records or medical records or, and use it for the excuse. And then they're grabbing their social security checks. How about, I could tell you, even without that type of issue going on, I could say the food stamp computer system is tampered with. They, they mess with the, you know, putting entries in there that have to do with whether you get them or don't and how much. And you know my own case with the child support, they tampered with the computer system. And even though that occurs in the state, it's administered, it's directly, you already know this, it's directly linked with federal rules, like regulations in Title IV and Social Security. So when they tamper these government uh, employees or people who are appointed through the court some way, they're messing with records and they're violating all these, you know, these different laws, but there's no oversight. There is nobody. Hey, they can even, they even mess with children or taken from them because, you know, a number, I think it was back when it was President Johnson and they put something in place, uh, to, it was supposed to encourage people to adopt foster children, and they put like a price tag, uh, like if you adopt a child, you get $4,000 incentive. And I think for a disabled child, it was either six or 8000 But, you know, this, this today, up to modern days, more modern days, encourages the courts to, you know, phony up records so they can adopt your child out and make money on selling your children this was going on and i've read about uh some cases from i don't know it was about six seven years ago horrible things 
uh, all sorts of unlawful adoptions that are going going on by phoning up records. Um, it's just it's just endless. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to point out to you? Oh, when um, I know from uh, Rob on Luann's show, um, he had mentioned uh, about the probate courts. Now I wasn't familiar with this, but he said that in our country it actually evolved or stemmed out of uh, from with the slaves, like they were taking property uh, from former slaves. Or I don't know. It probably wasn't slaves. It was probably freed slaves or something. And when they couldn't get away with that, when new laws, you know, I guess the 13th and the 14th Amendment come in, uh, it just didn't go away. It evolved. They just evolved that law, and now their target was a new target, senior citizens or, you know, disabled people to, you know, go after their assets. So it's nothing It's nothing more than stealing. It's a cash grab. Well, Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elaine, one of the things, you know, I do a, a show um, the last Thursday of every month with the black farmers. And if people knew what USDA had done to these people, they've taken over 2 million acres of land for them under fraudulent terms. But when you talk about what they, you know, uh, taking property from them, this is what we've done since they cannot um, uh steal anything from them now quite as easily as they did in the past Mm -hmm. we have moved to another sector of the society that they believe is uh vulnerable and obviously so uh which Mm -hmm. is the elderly and better pickings anyway yeah easy target and easy target and think about it when people the longer some lives the longer they've worked and saved their assets the more money they're the more lucrative they are Yes. It's horrible. And, and at the, the same things, time and at the same time they're the people who are least able to recover ever again. Like you know, or fight. Yeah. yeah. Or fight. You yeah. can't fight back. Yeah. Yes. Uh in talking to Lawrence who hosts that show for me, um I brought this up to him. And he said, Marty, it's all still there. It's just more sophisticated now. And, you know, that was such a profound statement when I sat back and thought about it, because it is true. Um, you yeah. know, the segregation and the racial crap. And now you see, I see this online all the time, and it's these conditioning pieces. I call them conditioning pieces, where it's put out there that, you know, the young people just don't have respect for their elderly people like they used to. Oh, they, mm-hmm. the, these people don't want mom or dad. They can't wait to throw them in a nursing home. Wait a minute. No, you came and took them. You took them. And, you know, but all of this stuff and then taking polls. Uh, um, do you think, you know, euthanasia should be legal in this country? Yeah, they've lived a long time. They need to go on and go. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, this change in mindset of this younger generation, and I'm talking like the 20 to 30-year-olds, um, this this casual dismissal of the elderly as of being no consequence. And I got news for all you young bucks out there. If it wasn't for us old people, Mm yeah, you wouldn't have anything. And someday where I'm standing, you're going to be standing too. So keep that Mm -hmm. in mind while you run your mouth. But anyway, go ahead, Elaine. No, I I was just going to agree. I mean, I I just remember when I was a a child, my grandmother lived with us. um, 
and well, the one grandmother lived with us because uh, you know she she needed help. You know, well, my parents would never have considered uh, putting her in some sort of a home, uh, so she stayed with us, and and that's just how. And I and that was not unusual. Even I know my uh, ex husband, his uh, grandfather had lived with them as well, and you, you just didn't. You, you took care of your family. I mean, that's how yes. it was. From, you know, you, you, uh, you know, over these years, all this stuff about, and, and God knows I don't want to open the Pandora's box on this, but about know. how gay people were destroying the traditional American family. No, they, mm-hmm. they didn't have the power to do that, still don't. No. The only people mm-hmm. with the power to destroy the family is the government, and they are doing a real fine job of it. And just people being gay has no power over whether or not you yeah. know you're a family unit. And uh, but this is how easily, as a society, we're dissuaded and we're we're persuaded to think stuff that just absolutely does not make any sense. And but I see this Elaine everywhere. This brainwashing. These are carefully planted argue, uh, articles, comments, little expose pieces, and everything. But it's feeding this message of they're old, we need to get rid of them. They're old, they've had a good life, they need to go on. They're using up resources, that's always the one that'll get you. They're using up things you might need. Well, I got news for you, young people. I helped put those things there for you, so shut the hell up. And That's right. But, <laughs> that's right. You know, yeah, they, the, the disrespect is unbearable. Uh, and these yes. uh, these kids... Uh, if the schools don't get them, then the, the family courts do because the family courts yep. are also dividing families and they're instilling disrespect. Uh, I was, it's interesting, Marty. Um, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I just want to point out, you know, uh, I don't know, even handful four or five years ago, a few people that I speak with, you know, yeah, you all you form your group yeah. of people that you, that you talk to who are in your similar circumstance. So some of them had children that were, they were younger and my kids had gotten a lot older and they just couldn't understand why aren't certain things happening? Why aren't my older kids jumping in and doing what they, you know, what you would think they should do. And I tried to explain different circumstances and how it came to be. And they just, I don't think it's that, I think they just didn't get it or believe me. Well, guess what? Fast forward, here we are about five years later, a couple of them, two, two, different, two different people I know, are having a laundry list of complaints. Now their kids got a little bit older. You know, they're hitting the teenage years, and now they're getting disrespect. And what's happening is with the court system, uh, I know one of them is having a tough time because the kid, the child, the one child's learning to use the court system to bully around the one parent. And I said to this parent, I said, guess what? If somebody Mm -hmm. don't put their foot down, like if the other parent enjoys it too much, it's only a matter of time between before that child starts getting away with doing things with the other parent. Uh, So those courts are responsible for allowing kids to wear the pants in the family and that this will only get worse each year. The older the child gets, before you know it, the kid, these kids, these kids of these people, their children will be in their twenties and then their thirties. Yeah. And I don't know what hope these people will have, you know, if that continues. Yeah. 
So uh, it's, it's bad enough that I think the schools indoctrinated a lot of kids with all sorts of ideas and things. Uh, you know what? Uh, family first. Charity begins at home. You take care of your family first. That's most important. And then anything you have to offer, you know, be a good person, that's great. But uh, this is horrible. I, I just, I don't well, know. you know, in some, some cases, like Medicare will pay for you to take care of your aging parent at home. In some cases, very right. few, but they will. But what I'm trying to figure out is why would you rip an elderly person away from their family when they have family willing to take them in who will tend to their needs and look after them? Why can't you help that family out financially and, you know, help them keep that person vibrant and, and able to do everything they can do? Why won't you do that? And instead, they oh, no, we can't do that. No, that costs too much money. But they'll pay sometimes $6,000 a week, if not more, for some damn hole-in-the-wall nursing home. Yeah. And, you know, where they're neglected and abused. I mean, my God, the horror stories that come out of these places. Wouldn't it be better But see if you encourage the family to continue? Like you say, you know, grandparents, we always took care of our grandparents. And um, elderly aunts and uncles, whoever needed it, you opened your door up, and that was family. But it isn't right. like that anymore. That well, you anymore. know what? And these kids have well, been... You know, I know of one person who, who uh, I'm trying to think, it could be maybe three years ago, I'm not, or it could be four, I'm not sure. I know of someone, the mother went to live with the daughter, uh, and the daughter was older, when I say older, I guess in uh, mid-60s or at least and had health problems as well. They did, she did get some, you know, a small, I don't remember exactly, it could have been $750 a month or something. But the thing is then the state can't be, or, you know, the uh, home can't be billing all kinds of other expenses. You'd be using your, you know, your own health coverage from Medicare or, you know, other additional coverage. So you would be, so your family member would be getting, the person taking care of their, let's say, their parents, they may get ah, $750 or now maybe it's 800 a month to take care of them, but that's it. You'd be getting that money as opposed to the facility running up enormous bills. They, you know, it's all about money when it comes down to it. They're not interested in the person being cared for. They're interested in, you know, running up bills every month to bill and it ends right. up being built to the taxpayers that's all it gets built yeah. to the taxpayers so and that's the thing care? too it, that and that's the thing too these they are not only robbing the estate they're accessing all these federal programs state programs this grant that fund they're getting money all over the place and then of course um, you know, as we've talked about so many times, we've got uh, predators out there doing business by volume. And, of course, Mary Rowan up there in Michigan, Detroit, has over 1,700 wards now. And she's collecting every one of their Social Security, any railroad or veterans benefits that they get. And she's going on cruises, and these people are left half-starving and left in these dilapidated residential homes she has. But, you know, and I've this up several times before, I want to bring it up again. It's like uh, someone pointed out to me, if you take one person on Social Security in your community 
and you remove them and you take over everything, that person could be worth upwards of a million dollars a year between uh-huh. doctor's fees, hospital fees, this test, that test, um, nursing homes, something else, this and that. They can generate that kind of revenue. We have been commodified. Our children yeah. have been commodified. And everybody in the middle is paying the bill. Only thing is, it's going to be your turn on this probate treadmill next. Mm-hmm. So you remember that. We're going, well, I never heard of that before. Well, nobody ever told me. Well, I don't think you guys are conspiracy theorists. Yeah, when you're mm-hmm. in the nursing home, I hope I'm alive, so I go by and tap on your window and holler, you're a conspiracy theorist. You are not in a nursing home being mistreated. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kazi, what do you think? I, I mean, I feel like if more people could become aware of this, because if it's not happening to them or anyone that they know, they're ignoring the whole situation. And we even have national spotlights right now with the Britney Spears and this is going on. And still, maybe, maybe a couple people cared a little bit, but it's going to fizzle out. And the fact that I keep yeah. seeing this happen over and over and over, I mean, these, these guardians and attorneys, they just keep getting away with it. And it's so emboldened. Like the stuff that, that Mary Ronan does up there in Michigan and that this whole article can yep. be written. And how many words does she have? Like almost 2,000 words? Yeah. And, and no one cares. No one yeah. yeah. No one yeah. cares. Nobody thinks you there's, have, yeah. You know, there's a problem because it's not them. And when we continue no. to not worry about others and it's not, it's not, it's not affecting me, that's when your turn is coming and we're trying to stop it, but no one, I mean, no one cares until it happens to them. And what I, yeah. I would love to know what percent, what percentage of the U.S. population do you feel has been affected by this scam? Because the more years that it goes on, the more I'll run into people like, oh, you know what? Something like that was done to my grandfather a couple years ago. Or the, you know, people are mm-hmm. saying, oh, but because they didn't know other people that it had happened to, they really didn't realize they were in the midst that it was a criminal enterprise that had right. attacked them. Well, so, you know, you know something now, else I'm, mm-hmm, I'm watching, Sorry. too, is I'm seeing articles uh, salted all across the Internet about um, stopping the um, – inheritance of property that's not right you shouldn't inherit what your parents worked for that ought to be sold off to pay off debt you shouldn't be getting that that's not right Uh, excuse me and if you go to the un under agenda 21 now agenda 2030 i guess it is um there is no property ownership and of course you don't own anything anyway if you look at your deed or title it says on there quite plainly Mm -hmm. you are a tenant not the owner or a tenant, mm-hmm. and then at the bottom it says the IRS has first rights to your property in perpetuity. You don't own anything, and try to not pay the property taxes for four years. They will take your property from you and sell it, and mm-hmm. so yeah. they say you own nothing, but everything is being done, and under the current situation, the economic situation in this country, they're already talking about private property ownership. It appears to be a problem in what way nobody says, but it appears to be a problem. There's a new program called 3030, and where they want – Bill Gates is involved, so that ought to make the hair stand on your head. Um, but they want like 80% of the land. Um, this is like the UN non-habitat zones and this and that and everything else. 
but they're coming to take the property. Any chance you have of owning property, this thing with the elderly and raiding these estates and stealing their homes mm-hmm. and their land and selling it off, this is just the forerunner to what's coming for everyone. But most people can see, as they say, the proverbial forest for the trees. And yeah. um, but there's, if you watch things like you say across the net, different things that are coming out, like you know the the disrespect younger generations have to race and the acceptance of it's okay to euthanize them because they've lived too long anyway, and all of this. Uh, and now this thing on land, you know, you really shouldn't, nobody should really, the land should be for everyone. Above. Yeah, right, as long as you're rich and you're Bill Gates. And um, mm-hmm. But you're going to see more and more of this as a country. We are yeah. in debt so far, so far gone financially that we can never recover from it. It, it is unrepayable on any level. And the only people who can pay for it are the people. It was your land and property and labor they put up as collateral to borrow that money. It's called hypothecation. And they put up everything you own and all your labor to back mm-hmm. these loans for this massive amount. And what really gets me is that people just sat there as they announced this trillion-dollar bill uh, and and nobody said anything. It was like, oh, okay. Where do you think that's going to come from? But while they're trying to figure that out, here we go back, and they are decimating people over 60, they, you know, capturing them, locking them up, stealing whatever they've got, and then euthanizing them when there isn't anything else to get. And right. Nope, nobody that should say anything. One of the, And I want to hear you girls' opinions on this. One of the things that irks me in all of this is the silence of the churches. Now, in several cases, I have gone to the church people have belonged to many times for decades and said, a member of your congregation has been caught in this guardianship scam, and we need you to stand up for this person. They need your support. Oh, we can't do that. Um, We'd lose our tax-exempt status. That's political. No, that's human rights. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, we can't. We lose. So, what's more important, your tax exempt status, or the life of an individual who has supported you all these years? But they won't get involved. They sit silent. We have approached many of them. They sit silent. They don't say anything, and I really, really resent that. But they'll be right out there because they need a new forty-two million dollar jet, and you need to send in your money so I can spread the word of God to all the corners of the world. No. Mm-hmm. And, well, um, the places of, these places of religion, they got their money, you know, all those yeah. years from these different people, and now they said, okay, now it's their turn. Now you can get the rest. <laughs> I mean, that's yep, how yep, that's how they must they must look at it. And you know, they also um, another target with the guardianship is also uh, younger people who have certain disabilities. I know of a case. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. the parents could not afford their son's care and I don't remember the details because I you know I just I wasn't have involved with it you know it was a he was a young adult um so he, they got talked into by the state oh if you sign this stuff we'll take care of all his needs his medical and he ends up in a group home and the mother and the father could not even see their own child yeah, they, they kept them yes. and they were billing, you know, billing it all to uh, the state, everything, 
and the parents just couldn't afford all the different uh, needs that their child needed. I don't know what the outcome right. was, cause, but I'm just saying that's a whole other group that yes. I didn't even know existed a long time ago uh, until yes. I heard of that case. It's it's yeah. it's horrible. See, they, they also the problem is. I have a special needs brother, we have and he's up, he's there in Illinois, and we can't move him to Wisconsin because they said the burden of one this, that one state doesn't take on the burden of another state, so you can't we oh, can't move cool. him up. Mm-hmm. But that's the cool. other thing that what I've noticed is, I mean, obviously we're not near him, so we can't go visit every day, but we sure don't rock the boat. The fact that he got COVID and lived through it is, I was shocked. I just feel if wow. you if your child is in one of these situations and now they're in a group home and whatever, sometimes you need to bite your lip and you need to not go in there guns blazing because this is what they're going to do to you to keep you out of there. And it's it's just the reality of it. There's nothing you can do, but you you just need to bite your lip and it's and you have to sit and watch whatever they're doing wrong or you're never going to see your child again. And, mm-hmm. and while that's have going on, own, you have to be a sheeple for yeah. them. And while all mm-hmm. that's going on, they're doing what's called trauma-based bonding, which is the Stockholm syndrome where they oh. go to these people where they've trapped them and they've cut off any, which is prohibited in every state. And there again, where are these stinking politicians? Um, Isolation is not to be is supposed to be a last resort in every situation. Is first option, mm-hmm. and, and, and so what they do. It. If you go in there yeah. and start complaining, they you're first yep. you're first on their their list to take care of. Yep, and it's that it well, be what, that way. What they do to these people is they go to them and they say, "Well, nobody's here. I, I see nobody came to see you." They don't tell them they've been isolated. The, the family mm-hmm. can't come. Their friends can't. They don't tell them that. Oh, you see, nobody, nobody cares about you. All you've got is me. You better do what yeah. I tell you or I'll leave too. And they torment these people. This is psychological torture. And they do this mm-hmm. to these people day after day after day. And what happens is eventually they identify with their captor. And they'll do everything they right. can to protect their captor. And yeah. But it is a psychological operation that they're doing to these elderly people. I don't know what kind of animal you have to be that you would participate in something like this. But apparently there's a whole herd of them out there. Um, well, and I another just, thing, I, what, was done, what was done to my uncle is they had him locked up in a in a hospice. Now, we, we did pitch a fit to get him into the hospice of our choice instead of the one of their choice, and that was NASGA helped us get a article that was written up in the Pocono Times, and it did. They don't like to be exposed. These, these you know, critters like to hide under the rocks. But anyway, we were able to get in, in, him into this one hospice that was like a little house. He was in his own little bedroom. But then what happened was the guardians, because he wasn't now, he wasn't in his normal place that he lived, when people were calling the guardians or whoever was answering the phone as if, oh, he's passed away already. So that no one would even seek him out to go visit him. And that we were told oh, wow. by, you know, many, yeah, they thought he had passed away already because that's what they were saying at the, at the assistant living that he was at. 
It's disgusting. Oh my god! Like you couldn't even say, oh, he's you know he's over here at this hospice now, so he's sitting in a room all by himself, and he lived. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, not quite a year, because it. I mean that was that's just a whole other story. But he, I mean, he shouldn't have been in that hospice for almost a year. He was really right. fighting it. And we actually got him set free. We were one of the few cases in the United States where we got someone set free, and he was able to go down to Maryland, and he died about a week later. They were, you know, sure to have him drugged up and everything, yeah. but he was with his family when it happened. Yeah. I think he just mentally tough, you know. He's a Korean War vet, mentally tough, and he just kept hanging in there. But that's what they did to him, told all his friends that he was already deceased, so nobody was visiting him. Oh, wow. This is just, you know, okay, now all of this is done in conjunction and with the under oversight of these supposed probate tribunals. Now, if you're an examiner sitting there and you know this is going on, and the idea that they work continually with the same attorneys, the same guardians, the same social Mm -hmm. agency personnel, and they run a mill and they do this over and over and over again. And you know that the statute says that isolation is strictly prohibited except in extreme situations. Now, if they adhered to the rules of evidence, they would have to produce their evidence that having visitors from your family and your friends would be detrimental. But see, they they make the charge, but they don't have to prove it. They're never asked to prove it. They said it. It came from the Word of God. And Yeah. But on that alone, the isolation alone, why aren't these – examiners and they cannot under this title 18 claim judicial immunity they can't do it uh, even if they were an actual judge of the law which they are not but they are an officer of a court of some kind why cannot they be held responsible i want to know why these people cannot be held responsible for knowingly knowingly watching another and overseeing another individual have their rights violated in this way and actually participate in it because nothing happens in that probate tribunal that isn't by that examiner sitting up there. That's the person Marty, who I have just it's like it's like what? we're playing the game Jeopardy. I pick campaign contributions for five hundred. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. It's like you can play Jeopardy, Jeopardy and, and uh guess why this all happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh, a campaign contribution. Right. Yeah. They also yeah, and every time we try to just like behind us, um, Chris and the um, Casey and Collins bill and everything, go back on, um, what is it, opensecrets.org, and look at the contributions from bar associations behind that. And you can tell why mm-hmm. these bills. Of course, Bob Casey is notoriously deficient oh. as far as being of political whatever. I mean, this man is absolutely, in my opinion, and many others, worthless. He is for yeah. sale. Um, he he just absolutely, it just, I, I like to say, I go back to Tracy Miller begging and pleading with yeah. that man to help intervene on behalf of her brother, Bob, and he absolutely would do nothing. And she eventually died, I believe, from all the stress and everything yeah. else. But it, we have a long history with cancer. Mr. Casey. So she was yeah. so sweet. And you know, I have, while we're talking about Pennsylvania and we have Elaine McMahon on the phone, I want to ask this question of you, Elaine. Okay, so we yes. all know Josh Shapiro. He is the Attorney General of the state of Pennsylvania. He's from Montgomery County. Yes. I heard rumor he's going to run for governor of the state of Pennsylvania. 
Yes, so now is. we have basically an odd hole that's going to be the governor of the whole state. Eileen, what do you have to say about this? A whole lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I have to clarify, when I laugh, I don't laugh like something's funny. Because a friend of mine said right. when she listened to the radio, you're laughing like it does. I'm laughing like how, uh, like with some of these things are outrageous, you know, you either be right. laughing or crying. All right. Well, first of all, Shapiro um, was uh, the commissioner in Montgomery County before Kathleen Kane was squeezed out. Okay. Kathleen mm-hmm. Kane was an attorney general previously who was going after all these different corrupt yeah, places, all kinds of heroes. I love yeah, her. She yeah. went, she went after officials. She flew, she went after officials and bureaucrats, the very people that we are, you know, the kinds of people we, you know, were discussing mm-hmm. and complaining. Okay. And they took her down. That's what they did to her. And then she took her down. Uh, what's that? Montgomery County took her down, right? Exactly. Well, she, exactly. And she was investigating does. the guardianship stuff because we were yeah. working with her office. She does not yeah. live in Montgomery County. She does not work in Montgomery. What in the world was she doing being tried in Montgomery County? All right. Well, so they uh, squeezed her out and took her law license, sent her off to prison a little bit to smack her and show her, you know, to show her who's boss and teach her a lesson and humiliate her. Uh, in mm-hmm. the meantime, Shapiro, you know, uh, allegedly got voted in, allegedly, you know, okay, because, of course, when he got reelected for attorney general, somehow he had more votes than even President Biden. And I don't think the average person, I don't think the average person in Pennsylvania even knows who the attorney general is or if you ask them what are they or what do they do, they would think he works for the president because I don't think the average person really knows too much in politics. You know, a lot of people, when those mm-hmm. kind of elections come up, they just, they, they pull the party lever. I think most people know governor, they know president, they know mayor, but most people, you know, the average, they don't know all these. All right, well, in any event, and he wasn't winning until the next morning, by the way. The other uh, person, the Republican uh, candidate who was running against him, uh, was like winning when everybody went to bed and then we get up the next morning and he won. All right. Well, meantime, one, when he was commissioner, uh, the Shapiro, that's when the tampering went on with the computer system when it first started with my, uh, that child support stuff. And I complained to, uh, him when I say him, I didn't speak with him directly, you know, e- through email, through office. you know, I've got responses through email and, you know, they just, gave me, you know, what you call the bums rush, get rid of me, uh, and then he becomes attorney general. Well, I've complained to his office as well, even recently about mm, the last couple months about another matter that they should have overseen. Again, turning a blind eye. Uh, in fact, I have that letter in my, I wrote, I copied that and put it in my book. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting is, the fact that he turned a blind eye to an issue that's with that computer system, I think he should have had to forfeit his office and be disqualified. Uh, because, and you know, the the uh, I can't, I don't have proof in my hand to prove this, but 
when there was an election about uh, was it two years ago maybe uh, with the commissioners, a friend of mine and I, we met with this other candidate who was running for commissioner. And this is only hearsay, so I don't have proof in my hands, but it was my from what the other person said. And the, this other candidate previously was in law enforcement told us that Shapiro sold a seat, that there was a legislator, uh, I don't remember his name um, off the top of my head, and I wouldn't say it either because this is hearsay, paid $50,000, I think, for that seat. And then it turned out that one of the other commissioners didn't want that person, that other legislator, buying the seat. So another guy got the seat, another guy. But now, the other guy, there's some sort of records that I have in my computer. I think he may have paid five grand. So if you remember back a number of years ago, that guy out in Chicago, like, with the name that's hard to say. Yeah, yeah, that's and it. Remember he, got, yeah. he went to prison all that time for selling, I think it was Obama's uh, Senate yes, seat. He was the governor yeah, at the he, time. He was selling yeah. Obama's Senate seat. This stuff happens all the time. Nobody hears or knows about it. The only way that I know from this, and I don't have any uh, absolute proof. Again, it's hearsay, only from this other candidate who was running. They sell their seats all the time. If they know they're moving into another position, and, you know, this a friend of mine and myself, I think it's ridiculous that they should be able to be moving into other official seats because, they are building such a network of people that it makes them even more immune. They're even more shielded with immunity because Shapiro, he has his whole posse of people at Montgomery County. Then he moves to attorney mm-hmm. general. He has all his connections there and directing all the prosecutors who can and can't do what. Then if he moves to governor, well, mm. can, you, can you imagine the steam coming out of me? Not only did he do nothing about the child support computer system tampering when he was a commissioner and at the attorney general office, then he'll be the governor in charge of the Title IV-D and child support. And so, you know, that's how bad it would go. And he's running. So far, there's no other Democratic um, com- competitors. On the Republican side, there's a laundry list, but I can tell you there's a number of them as well who should be disqualified from running as well. Now, you know, now Joe Joe Gale's running. He's a commissioner right now running for governor. He, uh, and also there is, um, well, a former U.S. attorney who is running, and that U.S. attorney just last July of, what is it, we're 21 now, so it was 2020, that U.S. attorney, and this is while President Trump was still in office, emailed him. Well, I called his direct phone. He didn't answer. The voicemail was on, but he had his paralegal contact me. The paralegal asked me for to send documentation to him of what I was talking about, which was the computer tampering, because it was federal money that was being defrauded by the county. And I sent it to him. And he says, well, we'll take a look at it. I'll get back to you in six weeks, because I'm going on some kind of military duty. And 
never hear back, and then I call them back, and all of a sudden I'm not hearing back from anybody, and then they just did nothing. They did they didn't even look into anything. Then I find out mm-hmm. in March I get some kind of notice about some Republican party, you know, cocktail party or something at some country club, and that U.S. attorney who was no longer a U.S. attorney because they usually uh, are switched when a new president comes in, that U.S. attorney went to a law firm in Philadelphia, and he was going to be a guest at this cocktail party at some country club, and it was, I guess, endorsed by a law firm that represented my ex-husband. And my ex-husband had paid that firm about $600,000. And it was, you know, money that my ex-husband embezzled out of corporations that I owned half with my ex-husband. So a law firm that received a huge amount of money from my ex-husband was basically, I don't know if you want to call it endorsing or hosting some way, mm-hmm. this former U.S. attorney who failed to take a look at the computer system regarding child support. So, you know, for me, it's easy to connect the dots that the U.S. attorney didn't do anything because they're, protect, you know, they're not going to go after friends and family, you know, people who are connected. So the law firm is connected to the guy that was the U.S. attorney, and the law firm had represented my ex-husband. Well, I also find out that that U.S. attorney used to be a law clerk for a federal judge who got married to one of the Montgomery County judges. One of the, oh. the, Montgomery, the Montgomery County judge who sat on my divorce trial, <laughs> who wrote all these illegal orders. So it's so easy to connect the dots sometimes, and there's just nowhere to go. It's a huge, huge web, uh, which is why none of these officials should be able to keep running, running, running from one office yeah. to the next. One office to the next. I found <laughs> it interesting, like when we talk about Montgomery County, which, A, I've heard many people say Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, is probably the most corrupt county in the United States. And part of the reason why Pennsylvania is so corrupt it was one of the original colonies when, you know, before we were a country. And so they have all these old archaic laws, which have conveniently not been like updated or, you know, and they just find all these ways around it to just really, you know, bring on the corruption. It's the oldest law yeah. because listen, in Philadelphia is where all this stuff start, you know, started mm-hmm. with the Declaration of Independence and all that we have. I think we have, the, it's the first court in the country. And even though mm-hmm. I never thought of it as something, some big deal, apparently, I guess they're very uh, well connected all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes, and, and actually, Alito was from, Alito, I think it's Justice Alito from the Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court. He is from, um, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. and Yes, and I know that there's this judge, Sirica, I think he's a federal court judge. Everything kind of has to pass through him just to get it into the hands of Alito. Uh, It's a real connected problem that Mm -hmm. a lot of people just don't realize. It involves a whole lot more than your case having merit. It's it's like it doesn't even matter (laughs) at this point. Oh, yeah. 
they've got their finger all the way up to the Supreme Court. I've definitely heard that. I found it to be interesting. Mm -hmm. When we go back to Josh Shapiro, just so the listeners know, when he was running for attorney general, he was running as a Democrat from Montgomery County, and there was a Republican running from Montgomery County. So whoever won, Montgomery County had their man in. So I'm going to guess the Republican or governor is going to be someone coming out of Montgomery County so they can pretty much control everything. And what I really found interesting, and I know you know, you probably know this, Elaine, when Trump was going up for his impeachment, what, that impeachment thing, yeah. and he, he hires attorneys from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Bruce Castor was one visitor. And then the other attorney, I can't remember his name, he's a guardianship yeah. attorney out of Montgomery County. And there's documents of him sucking at his job on the shenanigans uh, website. That was the Tarkini mm-hmm. story that they, mm-hmm. that was introduced on shenanigans. Yeah, it, I was I, I was floored. I, I'm like, wow, of all the counties, he's going to find the biggest scumbags. I guess that's where you go. Well, Bruce Castor, um, from my from what I know from him, he it, he just keeps switching. He'll switch back and forth. He he just goes where the whoever whoever swinging money his way. That's the way he'll go. He will flip on a dime. I mean, that's how he is. Uh, you know, it is. What, and he he's been a movable puppet as well. He was mm-hmm. a commissioner, and then when he wasn't during the time he wasn't a commissioner, he was at a law firm. In fact, he was at the law firm that represented me in divorce. They have a whole lot of political people who just it's like. It's a holding spot when they're not in office. <laughs> they're work, you know, like judges and different types of people that are not mm-hmm. currently in office work there. Okay, and then I know that Castor ended up, then he ended up, uh, I know he was at another law firm. Uh, and then he, he ended up being the attorney general. He feels, yeah. so when Kathleen Kane was investigating all her stuff and Bruce Castor was running for, was it DA there in Montgomery County, which he ended up not winning that election, and Kevin Steele won that election. I had private messaged him and sent him some shenanigans video or whatever that was that had been posted. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about this? He actually had a conversation with me. And so I was liking this guy. I told him everything. I sent him all kinds of documents. And I remember on the last day of the election, he even posted, there seems there could be, you know, corruption in our very own courthouse that I promise if I'm elected, I will investigate. So I'm like loving this guy at this time. And then he ends up somehow becoming the special assistant to Kathleen Kane. Now, Kathleen Kane's a Democrat. Bruce Castro's yeah. a Republican. Usually the two, they don't switch over and appoint someone from the other party. So I don't know what he, if he brought her some of the stuff that I had given, but I know she was investigating it because we had a person that we were actually talking with at the attorney general office. We were so excited. And then the guardian had sent us an email, like asking us if we knew who these people were that visited Harvey. And of course we just played dumb, but we knew who it was. And so we knew this investigation was happening. And the Guardian did not know about it. I think that's why they went after Kathleen Kane. And then Bruce Castor ends up becoming the Attorney General of the state of Pennsylvania for that little brief time. But I guess he didn't have enough time to, like, run for reelection or something. I've always wondered, like, wow, did little did little make a difference there? He was not elected Attorney General. I think they put him 
they put him in, they he, appointed him there for a temporary yeah. an interim. Yes. And, but I don't After know. He in jail. And he yeah. was he was in the office for a few months, I remember. Yeah, I don't know who he was serving, really. I don't know if he was, ser- you know, I don't know which side, he, you know, he was actually really serving, yeah. uh, you know, and, there, and then they have what they call the rhinos, you know, some of them that are Republican yeah. that, that aren't right. really true. You know, there's no, I think they're all about themselves. I know Marty saying that. Oh, yeah. themselves. Yeah, <laughs> They're yeah. all for themselves, is what it comes down to. And you know, with these judges, I was thinking, you know, they shouldn't be wearing black. They, why don't you just wear a co- your favorite color, green? They ought to be wearing yeah. green robes. Green robes. Green. Men in green. Uh, people in green. Green. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. It's it's. I could tell you with the governor race, there's a lot of people who have their hat in the ring. Uh, most uh, Shapiro is the only Democrat there and who's named so far announced, and the rest of them are Republican. And I could just tell you, there's a whole, I got a list of them who are not even, including Shapiro, they are not even legally permitted under that Rule 18 U.S. 2071, concealment, removal, mutilating, falsifying records. Uh, that wow. I can tell you. That I can tell you. So when they start having yeah. events, when people yeah. are able to come out and make remarks or post things, you know what? Now, now it's time to blow the whistle. <laughs> well, and here's what people need to know about Pennsylvania: a third of the population of that state, and it's a very large state, are the elderly. So they are yeah. prime for the taking. Just prime mm-hmm. for the taking, you know. Yeah. yeah. People need to wake up. What's going on in that state? So uh, cool. I know it's it's really it's really hard and like like just like Marty said and you, you you know as well. Until you are until you're wearing those shoes and it's your numbers up and it's your turn, people mm-hmm. just they just don't get it. They don't. No, they either don't know, they don't get it, or they won't accept it, or they, or I love the favorite one is, well, you must have done something wrong. <laughs> what you do to cause this? <laughs> yeah. You know, Marty and we were just talking about that. It is the number one question, like, why, why can't people wake up? And we've had, you know, the Free Britney movement and the, um, you know, Oh, the uh, Carolat movie. Okay. Did you know in Montgomery County, and here's going to be someone, I I know that Mr. Shenanigan tweets at this person. It's a very big celebrity that was born and raised in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and that's Taylor Swift. She's that singer. Right. She's from she's Berks County. She's got a lot of money. No, a lot of money. No, she, yeah, she's from Berks County, actually. Berks, which is it's, next to Montgomery, right next to okay. Montgomery County. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Girls, we got about two minutes left here. Okay. Uh, Elaine, thank you for coming on and filling oh, in tonight. Marty, I appreciate I say, it. Oh, yeah. Can I say yeah. one more yeah, thing? Any any listeners out? Any listeners? Um, hey, I put my, I'm putting my book. It's on a free promotion. Start for for this weekend, like Saturday and Sunday. Um, so you can just go to court to Amazon.com and look up Court Gate, the Courts Divorce from the Law. Um, it, it's an e. If you want to call it ebook, you don't have to have Kindle. You can look look it on your phone, on the computer, 
uh, and even though it looks like you're paying money, the, there's lines that cross half the money, and it'll say zero dollars. It says buy with a click, so you don't have to buy pay money. It's just for this weekend. Anyone is interested, it talks about the corruption. A lot of it, a lot of it is from my divorce stuff, but I'm talking about the issues with the court. So there's that's my little commercial a freebie for listening on it's our show tonight. And next the week, everyone, really thank you, um, girls. We've just got a short amount of time left here. Lace Elaine, thank you for coming on. And please remember, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. And we will be there again this next year. There's a lot of changes being made, and we'll update you on those when they become available. Uh, We'll be back Sunday night with Tanya Talks. She's back in, in the loop. She's been off again, and she said a lot went on the last three weeks, and her reporting has been spotty. But that is uh, a big show uh, about the prison system, most particularly in Oklahoma. We'll be back with John LaCron on Monday night, and we're going to be talking about financial fraud and how to avoid it. And, goodness, we got so much happening. And Peggy Dupree will be back on the 27th to update date what she's got going on. And there's just so much happening on it, Scott, I can't see straight. But anyway, girls, thank you. Thank you, Kaz, for being here as always. And we will talk thank to you, you all next week. Okay. Good night, everybody. Me, Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. You bet. Good night. Good night. <laughs>